started. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Ross Payton. Uh, I am a podcaster and writer. Uh, I do a podcast called Role Playing Bubblegum Radio. Um, we do RPG stuff, obviously. We do episodes and actual play recordings of various games. Um, and I also write for Arc Dream. I've written two books for them for Monsters and Other Childish Things. I wrote Curriculum Conspiracy and Road Trip, which was nominated for an Innie this year. And I have to say it was an honor to lose to Pathfinder, as everyone else did. So, uh, And then just recently, I self-published a book called Zombies of the World, which is for sale at the Arc Dream booth for $15. It's uh, $4 off uh, regular price, so, um, which is a full-color field guide to the undead. And um, it's sort of what inspired led to this. Um, so things like Audubon Society books, but instead of birds, they're covering zombies. So, um, and that could not be possibly more annoying. Um, but, and there's also some posters here too. Uh, we have handouts too, if you want to get zombie-related handouts. Um, should have somebody by the door hand these out, but whatever. Anyways, um, so the whole purpose of this is talk about zombies in gaming. Zombies are, of course, kind of the the red-headed stepchild of the, the games. They're always the first kind of low-level enemy that gets beaten up in uh, role-playing games. They're always like, I mean, even Star Trek red shirts have a better lot in life than zombies. <laughs> so, um, but if you look at zombies, you know, in uh, zombie stories, fiction, you know, literature, they're used in more interesting ways, typically, than is generic ways to grind experience to level up. Um, you know, everything from the original, you know, Night of the Living Dead, to the original Haitian voodoo stories, to uh, very recent movies like Zombieland, they're used as uh, not even as characters, but as devices uh, to frame a narrative to make it more interesting. So that's what we're going to be talking about, and that's, the, that's what the handouts sort of go over. And um, you know, the hunt this does have a thousand one uses. Obviously, you know, you roll the three. The table has one d ten, one d ten, one d ten. So ten times ten times ten is thousand, and then of course. Thousand of first use of a zombie is to shoot him in the head, which we all know. But um, the idea is to uh, so we'll get into a lot of this will be based on your interaction, what you want to find out, figure out ways for you to use zombies that are more interesting for your games. Uh, but just to go over what I have on the uh, uh, the handout. So the first thing, if you look at the handout, the the zombie type. Now, if you look at this, this is not based on fast versus slow or you know, acid spitting or whatever. It's based on uh, numbers and positioning. It's based on, uh, so whatever type of zombie you want to use in your game. You can either have a lone zombie, an infected human, uh, or survivors, i.e. people that are still, you know, not dead, uh, interacting with a zombie somehow. So either they're fighting them, they're hiding from them, or something like that. So you roll the d10, you pick one of those. Uh, organized resistance, obviously, a militia, something like that. Um, and... Survivors not attacking zombie, that's anything from capturing them, studying them to high. So, like, if you've seen the recent, um, the last Romero film, not Land of the Dead, uh, Survival of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, I think, they have isolated farming families that are capturing zombies and keeping them in barns because they think that someday they'll be cured. So they're not fighting the zombies, and they're not hiding from them, they're capturing them for their own reasons. You also saw that in The Walking Dead, well, the comic book, not the movie, People think, well, we don't, I mean, just because they're zombies doesn't mean they can't come back to life. I mean, that can happen, so. Um, so, uh, if you want to, just a quick generate way to brainstorm ideas, roll that. Then the conflict goal, this is the conflict goal for the player characters. 
with this in mind, you, you know, these are basic simple goals, like not like a scenario, but like an encounter. Um, you know, travel, get an item, rescue, uh, hide from a threat, disable or hinder a threat, destroy a threat, you know, so on and so forth. So this is something that's a more tactical, like in order to accomplish our overall goal, we need to get this done first. Uh, one good example is in Left 4 Dead, the video game series, if you're familiar with that, they, their overall goal is to escape, but in order to do this, they have to do uh, what they call panic events where, uh, for example, they have to lower a crane in order to uh, move through an area, and of course this triggers a zombie attack. So this is that what I meant by conflict goal on the handout. Um, and then the conflict type, which is again a bare, uh, a bare bones kind of, instead of just fighting the zombies, there are many other ways you can do this. Uh, an ambush, uh, set piece fight, set piece fight is more like uh, a John Woo film, you know, uh, type thing where there's lots of uses of the environment, where conditions change very rapidly. It's very exciting and dramatic. They're more like Iron Heroes than standard. I hit you, you hit me, kind of thing. Um, then physical challenge again. That's more like a chase scene uh, or a stealth scene. Something that's more um, physical, but not exactly, you know, violence uh, or uh, social challenge. Obviously, you know, talking the dreaded social combat, something like that. Uh, traps. Now, priorities is where it gets interesting. Uh, that's where, that's the, the classic moral dilemma. What do you think is more important for your characters? Do they protect the innocent, or do they use this opportunity to kill more zombies? Uh, do they get the medicine, or do they get the guns? Do they save, you know, the orphan children, or do they uh, kill, or they, do they get revenge on the scuzzbag scientists that caused this in the first place? So, uh, of course, knowing gamers, they would want to shoot both. Uh, there's more experience points that way. Um, and then puzzles, obviously puzzles can be anything from the dream, crazy dream logic of Resident Evil games where you need the eagle crest to unlock the silver door, uh, by finding it through the hidden painting or something like that, uh, to something that's more simple and logical. If any of you played the uh, video game Amnesia, it does it in a very logical way. Uh, of course, Amnesia, you're so terrified it seems crazy to you because you're, it's Amnesia and it's scary. As hell, um, and then of uh, prisoner's dilemma. Um, prisoner's dilemma is a mathematical concept using game design, and the idea. Uh, are all of you familiar with it, or none? Or some of you? Okay, it comes up a lot, not just in zombie games, but it's very common in zombie games. The the prisoner's dilemma is uh, the basic classical example is that um, the police have arrested two suspects for the same crime. And uh, the suspects are believed to be accomplices. Now, they, suspects have two choices. They can either confess and get a reduced sentence, or they can keep quiet. Now, they don't know what the other accomplice is going to do. Uh, now, each accomplice, if they confess, they get a reduced sentence, but they're going to go to prison. Now, if they uh, stay silent and the other confesses, they get a much worse sentence. But if both of them stay silent, then they, get, then they both go scot-free. But again, they don't know that what the other uh, accomplice is going to do. So this is their dilemma. Can they trust somebody without knowing what they're going to do? Can they trust the other person? Um, because per trusting the person is going to result in the best possible outcome. But you can still get screwed. You can still get stabbed in the back. And this is, of course, the heart of uh, certainly of the Romero's Living Dead films, where if they all cooperated and stopped being you know, idiots, they would all survive or they'd have a much better chance. But no, the bikers have to crash into the mall and uh, uh, let the zombies in uh, because they're idiots. 
Um, so there are thousands of different ways, there are many different ways of setting this up in a zombie game, but that's the idea of trust. Can you trust other people? The only way you can get the best possible outcome is to trust them, but if you trust them and they don't trust you, you get the worst possible outcome. So there's the dilemma, and it's a very interesting thing to see how players react to it. That's one of the things I really like in gaming, is seeing how players react to various challenges, not tactical challenges, but more like, what would I do? Um, and then, of course, the final thing, multiple conflicts. If you can figure out a way to layer on conflicts, uh, that's, of course, always going to be uh, more interesting. Of course, that also gets kind of confusing, so you have to think about it ahead of time. So that's uh, the 1001 uses in terms of the handout. Um, now, uh, so that gives it to, so again, well, this is more based on the audience. So if any time you have a question about anything or you want to uh, suggest something or talk about something, I'm happy to do that. Uh, we got, uh, I can talk all this time, but uh, this is about helping you, you know, use zombies in your game. So I don't know what your campaign is like. I don't know what you want to do with zombies or what your questions are. So um, the other thing, the other hand, if you look at it, uh, for those people new, you can just come up and get uh, zombie handouts. Uh, so I'm not just a crazy uh, person talking about things you're not understanding. Um, so um, the other thing is, of course, the tropes handout. And um, has everyone heard of tvtropes.org? Okay. Um, a trope, um, I don't remember the Wikipedia definition of it. And, of course, we all know Wikipedia is the single most authoritative resource on everything. Um, it cannot be wrong. It's Wikipedia. Um, a trope is basically an idea or a reoccurring motif in a given genre. Um, this isn't like a major thing. It's like mad scientists always have lab coats and goggles and wild crazy hair. That's a trope, the wild crazy hair. It's kind of a, a lot of times it's used as shorthand within a genre to say, oh, this guy is a crazy mad scientist. Um, and there are tropes within tropes within tropes. Um, and then every subgenre, you know, there's not just, there's big genres, you know, horror, uh, mystery, romance, blah, blah, blah. There's also subgenres within it. You know, there's horror, then there's zombie horror. And then within zombie horror, we have zombie survival horror or zombie post-apocalyptic horror. And then we have, you know, uh, zombie steampunk stuff, which, of course, is now a thing because of Bone Crusher, the novel, uh, the Mary Sherry, I believe. Uh, and there's, you know, and on and on and on and on. Um, so when I'm talking about tropes, you know, when... Uh, Zombies are a lot, a little bit like a, a pornography in the sense that you can't precisely define a zombie, but you can, um, you know it when you see it. Now, what I mean is, well, what is a zombie? Well, he's a slow, shambling, undead creature that eats, eats brains. But there's no such thing in movies exactly that way. For example, the slow, shambling, undead creatures from Night of the Living Dead, Return of the Living Dead, they don't eat just brains; they eat everything. In fact, the classic thing that zombies say, brains, that was never in the Living Dead movies. That was in Return of the Living Dead, which is a 1982 uh, or three film um, by, directed by Dan O'Bannon, um, where the zombies could talk, they could run, and they retained their intelligence. And also shooting them in the head didn't kill them. So they were really, really scary. Uh, because if that happened, we would all be dead. Because outside of obliterating them, uh, there's no way to really kill one. Uh, and if you burn their bodies, the smoke comes up, gets into the clouds, then it rains down and raises whatever dead tissue it falls on. 
um, because of their, how they're uh, so poisonous. So that, that generic zombie doesn't exist in any movie. Um, so are they fast, you know, running things? You know, the Return of the Living Dead, the remake. Um, so there's a, every single version of the zombie is slightly different, uh, but this leads to different things. So the idea is to take the zombies genre tropes and look at particular ones. Very popular movies tend to t take these and twist them in one way in order to give it a new twist. You know, for example, Return of the Living Dead, the remake, what what they do? Basically, uh, aside from adding, you know, uh, more explosions, they added Fast Zombies. That was really, and Johnny Cash song. And uh, that was really their, their innovation there. And it worked. I mean, it was an entertaining film. Um, but... Uh, if you look at so the, the basic genre tropes that everyone sort of thinks of when they think of zombies um, are the survival horror aspect, which is the short term in the medium, which means it's night, living dead. It's nighttime. There are zombies outside. I have to survive until daybreak. Uh, something along those lines. Um, and then there's uh, the cozy catastrophe, which is actually uh, a term that came about. Uh, about 100 years ago when talking about post-apocalyptic literature has actually got a very long and storied history. Even the Pilgrims had uh, what their, their version of best-selling novels of you know, the end of the world and the righteous shall be praised. Oh, and Pilgrims liked hearing that, so that was very popular. But 100 years ago, there were a lot of post-apocalyptic stories. And a lot of them had the same sort of condition, which is like everybody dies except the characters I want to write about and uh, infrastructure survives. It's, it's the end of the world, but it's still pretty nice outside, you know. And um, because, you know, back in the 80s, you know, we had the height of the Cold War. Uh, there was a lot of stuff about survivalism and about, you know, uh, nuclear holocaust and stuff like that. But if you actually look at a nuclear, and so people thought about post-nuclear apocalypses and how badass it would be, you know, Mad Max, a road warrior. But it would be more like a, there's a movie called Threads, which is from the BBC, and if you watch that, it is incredibly horrif horribly depressing because it realistically depicts what n a nuclear winter would be, what nuclear uh, uh, war would lead to, which is everyone dies. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> you know, um, and of cancer and of starvation and just horrible, horrible, horrible things. So you can't, you know, zombie stories are still a form of escapism. I mean, it, they're horrible things, but, you know, what? how many of you would have a plan or an idea of what you would or dream, daydream about what you would do in a zombie apocalypse? I mean, there you go, see? Because what do you go? I'd, I'd go to the gun store, get guns, and just shoot stuff, and get a generator so I could play Xbox while I, whenever I get bored, you know? So that's a cozy catastrophe. That's the idea that... Everyone dies, but all their stuff is left behind, and nothing's ruined, nothing's radioactive. Um, so I can just, you know, it's a consumer paradise. You can just take stuff. Dawn of the Dead is the ultimate example of that, you know, because, or Dead Rising, uh, the Dead Rising video games, or even more of that because everything respawns. So, um, yeah. So that, that's kind of one of the constant tropes you see in zombie uh, survival horror stories. Um, so that's, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It can be fun. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that's the common trope. So we'll, we'll get into what we can do with that a little bit. Uh, and then, of course, zombies are infectious. Anyone can be one. Uh, because what would a zombie story be without somebody who's hiding their bite wound and gets into the shelter? I mean, that's just, it's fun for one thing. Well, not if you're in the shelter, but if you're reading a story about it. Um, so that's kind of the, uh, uh, the idea is that there's always that paranoia, which, of course, is kind of related to fear of disease, fear of 
uh, uh, bodily contamination, which is a con- very, very large sense of horror for a lot of people. It's kind of related to vampires, but you know, unfortunately, zombies. There's never been a species that sparkles, so uh, there's never been that. So we have an advantage there. Um, and then, of course, the breakdown of civilization. This goes back to the prisoner's dilemma: who can you trust? Who can you? Uh, who who will help you when you're in need? Um, and then, you know, so a lot of these zombie stories are about this person is trustworthy, this person is not trustworthy. Um, in fact, I kind of make fun of it in the in Zombies of the World because uh, I have the poster here, beware of zombies. No, beware of humans. Here's the real danger in a zombie apocalypse, which are <laughs> other people, you know, like teenagers. Uh, they're really dangerous because... Um, <laughs> the mentally ill, you know, mother's fine, she's just a severed head, you know, um, uh, control freaks and uh, skeptics, you know, people who don't even believe in zombies or just, oh, this isn't happening. So this is, this is just special effects. It's uh, a weather balloon, you know. Um, so you have all this, um, and, and that's a very common th- uh, trope. So, uh, and then finally, of course, is the mashup with other genres. Uh, and mashup, of course, means literally just mashing two things together. It's very popular in music. Uh, a lot of DJs do that. DJ um, uh, something mouse or yeah. Well, there's Dead Mouse, and then there's the one who did the uh, Jay Z and the Beatles album. Um, anyways, he mashed those up. Uh, it's a very common thing, but it's also very common in storytelling, especially these days. Um, for example, uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which is going to be a movie. Uh, uh, I think I just read that Emma Stone, who is the female lead in Zombieland, is going to be in Pride and Prejudice as Zombies. Um, then you have uh, pretty much every genre. Uh, you, I'm, there have been zombie westerns, uh, Red Dead, you know, uh, Zombie Nightmare. There's just you can add zombies to pretty much everything. Um, there, of course, are have been some genres that haven't been um, touched upon by uh, zombies. So we'll, we'll think about the ways to do that. So. Uh, the easiest thing to do if you want to give a new, fresh perspective, and these aren't all the zombie genre tropes. These are just some of them. We'll talk about more later on. And certainly, if you guys have any ideas, I'd, I'd love to hear them. Because um, whenever you want to ask a question, you can feel free to. Uh, so the first thing you can do to make something interesting is to reverse the common trope. So do the exact opposite of what's common. So what I have here is look at the, instead of the local and immediate, instead of surviving the night, uh, look at the big picture now uh, global and social history of course this has been done with Max Brooks World War Z and to a le- lesser uh, extent the zombie survival guide because they have that section of historical zombie attacks um, as he looks at this great great picture of what would happen with uh, zombies appear and then uh, uh, of course he says that we would slowly learn how to fight them and resist them and uh, keep them under control and that's good now I do that in Zombies of the World 2 that's what these two pictures are here and here what I do, one of the things I do in Zombies of the World is uh, I have many different species of zombies, and one of them is the Aztec mummy. Um, because mummies are really desert zombies. I mean, you know, let's face it, they're slow, they're undead, they want to kill people. Um, so the Aztec mummy was worshipped by the Aztecs uh, until the conquistadors showed up and started murdering them. Uh, the, the, well, both the Aztecs and their mummies. So um, <laughs> let's, let's be fair. Um, but the Aztecs like the Aztec mummy. So think about how different societies would react to zombies. Not all of them are going to hate and fear them. Some of them, like, especially a society that practices human sacrifice, they're not going to like, oh, he's strangling somebody. Well, that's cool. I mean, you know, I didn't like that guy anyway. So, um, 
they are they learn how to use them uh, or they learn how to uh, 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 exist with them. So that's one idea is think about different areas of history, different. Uh, one of the great things about gaming is it can take you to anywhere, any place. Uh, I really like Call of Cthulhu games that are, takes place in uh, obscure settings. Like last night, I was playing a game that was a World War One bombers, and we bombed the wrong thing, and <laughs> flying monsters came out and attacked us, and that was not fun. But uh, well, for our characters, it was fun for us. But you know, um, that's kind of the thing. Think about zombies that where they don't normally go, um, or how they affect people in the long term. Um, and then, of course, one of the things that almost all zombie stories do is that there's very little variation. They're all of one type um, or of a few types. You know, uh, World War Z, they're all the common zombie, the slow, not the living dead one. Um, but, you know, there, ha there have been some stories that have some speciation. Uh, for example, Left 4 Dead, Resident Evil, there's always, you know, the boss zombies and stuff like that. But... Um, my, what I thought was when I came in with Zombies of the World was if there are zombies, you know, they would have to be part of nature. They would have to actually obey kind of the same laws. I mean, break them in some ways, but why wouldn't they evolve? Why wouldn't they adapt to their local conditions? So why wouldn't there be speciation? So I came with 20 different species, some sillier than others, you know, but um, that's kind of the idea. So for your zombie story, why can't there be multiple types of zombie in the same area? So, um, and then of course this leads to confusion when your players are like, oh, we know what we have to do with these. We have to throw salt on them and they melt. That's great. And they, they throw salt on a zombie and he's like, what are you doing? I'm a zombie. I'm going to eat your brains. And then they're surprised because one, it didn't work and two, it's talking to them. Uh, <laughs> so, um, that's kind of uh, 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 one way to reverse a trope. And then of course, uh, infection. Um, and talking about this, you know, the, uh, there's the biological contamination, but instead of have, focusing on that, focusing on, you know, purity, like, oh, God, we have to stay, you know, clean and uh, away from these things. Uh, you have to get uh, more of the scientific approach, which is to get your hands dirty and, like, research these things and find out what they mean. Uh, one of the things that have in uh, Zombies of the World is that there are endangered and extinct species of zombies, like the Aztec mummy is extinct because the conquistador shot them all. Um, so, or, or chopped their heads off. And, um, because, the, again, if zombies were real, why wouldn't people react like they would with other dangerous animals? I mean, tigers and sharks eat people, but we aren't like, we have to kill all of those things. <laughs> They've eaten people. They're like, oh, they're beautiful. They're part of nature. Those people were stupid. You know, they deserved it. Um, so uh, why wouldn't zombies be the same way? Uh, why, wouldn't we, why wouldn't there be zombie rights activists? Uh, and I know there are, have been stories that have been talked about that. There, ha there are... Uh, a couple of movie, independent movies. Uh, there's also um, one movie called Fido, uh, which talks about domesticated <laughs> zombies, um, where their pets are they learn how to use them because they research and they figure out what to do with them. Uh, of course, there's some, still some kinks in the system. It's not totally perfect as movie shows. Um, and then, of course, there's post-apocalyptic. Um, that's one of my biggest, uh, one of my bigger criticisms of the genre, which was. Zombies show up, and then civilization just collapses instantly. I mean, I know our civilization is, in, like, incredibly stable, like, given politics in Washington <laughs> recently, but um, we, I think we're a little more resilient than if The Walking Dead did show up. We would, you know, uh, for one thing, the rednecks out there were just like, all right, let's go. <laughs> the NRA is delivered for us, you know. Um, 
Uh, and probably some gamers too, although they'd be using their replica katanas and you know crossbows. <laughs> um, I don't know how well that would work out, but it would, the YouTube videos would be hilarious. I know that. <laughs> uh, so, um, so yeah, that's the idea. Is, uh, Fido, of course, again shows and also Land of the Dead. I know it's not the great. It's certainly not the greatest of the, of the dead movies, but it shows how society can kind of adapt to the living dead. So um, that's one way you can uh, show how. Uh, the undead react, how the undead uh, adapt to this stuff. Um, and then, of course, uh, uh, if you do want a, p- a post-apocalyptic thing, instead of having the cozy catastrophe where all the stuff is there, Walmart's open, uh, you can have, well, no, everything was on fire and, you know, the nuclear power plants melted down. Good luck. So uh, make it more like the road because then the players would then like, oh, yeah, this really does suck. Uh, so instead of be like, all right, we're going to headshot everything. Um and then, of course, uh, the mashup. Pick genres that are seldom used with zombies. Uh, one thing would be the mystery. And by mystery, I mean, you know, not there is there are a lot of zombie stories about how did this start? How did this happen? No. That, and so that's kind of, you know, the, the generic B-movie thing. Like, the scientists and the soldiers get together and learn the secret and stop, blah, 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 blah. I would like to see The Wire combined with, or Law and Order combined with zombies. Because <laughs> then you have wise cracking detectives, you know, uh, uh, talking about... Um, People dying and, um, uh, uh, oh, she just got a bite to eat, you know, as they, they put on sunglasses. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, oh, I see what it is, dine and dash, you know. Um, so solving a murder of a normal person in a zombie-infected world. And uh, then you could do a lot of interesting twists to that. Uh, you could even not just a modern mystery, maybe a noir, like L.A. noir, you know, with zombies, which I'm sure will be future DLC. Um, but, or, of course, then there's time travel, uh, which, you know, you could have everything, Doctor Who to Back to the Future, or Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures with zombies. I mean, I think the ideas sort of write themselves at this point. Um, now, I would say, of course, romance. Now, one thing that's interesting is that romantic, uh, uh, the rom-com, the romantic comedy is actually one of the very well-represented, uh, uh, genres within zombies because if you think about it, Shaun of the Dead and Zombieland are romantic comedies. Sorry, guys, you watch and you like romantic comedies. Um, you just like them with zombies in them. So, um, so these are just some of the ideas. Oh, and the pictures at the bottom of this one um, again show society that is adapted to the undead. Uh, the idea is that the New York police squad. Uh, New York Police Department has a dedicated squad of zombie hunters that are more like exterminators more than anything else. They get infections, they kick them out, so it's a never-ending cycle of uh, wiping them out and finding new infections. But New York adapts to it. Um, And you use fully automatic shotguns to take them out at their knees. Um, (laughs) Because what I was saying, the talking zombie species is the one that's from Return of the Living Dead in that... And the Return of the Living Dead, as I said, is the really scary one. If that was the one zombie that hit us, we would all they, they would we would all be gone because the, you can't kill them without making more of them. Um, so this is kind of a broad overview of what I'm talking about. So uh, do any of you uh, plan to run any games? Are you running games with zombies? Do you want to do games with zombies? I mean, what are uh, you wanting to do with the undead, and what sort of concerns do you have with using zombies in your games? Um, anybody? So, yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to add them in because I've got players that would like it, but yeah, it's like escaping the simple first level cliche, like you yeah. said at first. And but 
this already in the first half hour has a thousand and one reasons to <laughs> right. to not be level one cliche. So, okay, uh, I mean, yeah, that. Well, thank you, but um, the the thing you want to do uh, is like, what kind of genre do your players like? I mean, what do they usually do? It's high fantasy. For the high fantasy. Time. Well, that's that's an interesting thing um, because you know you have. Um, not all zombies have to be hordes. I mean, we also, that's another common trope is the horde of zombies. There's just thousands and millions of them in infinite numbers. Um, but there are zombies that could be singular. Uh, for example, you know, in, um, if you think about Jason Voorhees, you know, certainly in later movies, mm-hmm. is a zombie. He's a slow, hulking undead. Uh, I call them a revenant, uh, you know, which, uh, if you're not familiar, is somebody who comes back from the dead to get revenge on those who, on those who killed him, those who wronged him. Um, so you have the hulking undead, uh, and then of course in, you have in Norse mythology you have the dragur, which is the undead warrior who uh, just comes back because he's cursed. Um, so you can have singular like undead champions uh, that are come back with specific purposes. They don't talk much, but they you know they let their broadswords do the talking. Um, but they're also intelligent. Um, yeah, so that's one job. thing. Now, another thing, uh, a common uh, genre trope that we haven't mentioned, that I haven't mentioned, put on the paper, is that the zombies are the problem. You know, the zombies are the danger. Now, in high fantasy, what if zombies were the solution? For example, in a high fantasy world where you have, uh, you know, an orc invasion, well, uh, the heroic necromancer figures out that zombies, uh, orcs, are very vulnerable to zombies. They're very vulnerable <laughs> to infection. So. Your mission is to go take this plague bomb and throw it and get in the orcs and get them all be turned into zombies, because surely that won't have unforeseen consequences. But I mean, the on the other hand, uh, the orcs are knocking at your door, so you really don't have a choice because your your army, you know, is not going to survive the mass millions of orcs. So. Uh, and then uh, you can uh, make it a prisoner's dilemma, a moral dilemma to say, well, okay, so now the orcs are all being consumed by the zombies. The zombies will eventually start marching on us. So what do we do about them? Oh, well, there's an evil artifact that lets you control zombies, but it slowly corrupts and destroys the soul of those who use it. So do we get it? And if so, who are we going to give it to? <laughs> who can we trust? That is going to, uh, can, can we find a Frodo that we don't mind, you know, de- giving up fate worse than death? You know, uh, do we trick him? Do we lie? Say, here's this crown, just congratulations, you know. Uh, so uh, there's a high fantasy campaign right there is, of course, well, a very dark one, uh, but uh, it's also, again, sort of the same sort of themes as Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, is, you know, the corruption of power, uh, very desperate stakes, massive armies clashing. Um, so that, that's one idea right there. Um, so, again, um, that's the kind of thing there. So, um, any other uh, ideas? Yeah. Uh, the You. Uh, what's your costume? Uh, Jedi costume. Jes- Jedi, okay, I couldn't see. Yeah. Uh, Okay, that's, that's very good. Um, again, we have to define what a zombie is in our setting. Um, now, a zombie can be very, very... Uh, now, a zombie, again, is generically a slow, flesh-eating, or violent killer undead that wants to spread the infection, make more of himself, and kill everything else. Um, so it, you can't do biological zombies because they'll have armored spacesuits and you know lasers that incinerate flesh. So Night of the Living Dead becomes a turkey shoot, becomes target practice, and... Players want, you know, like, oh, we cleared off this continent. All right, let's go on to <laughs> South America. Um, 
So what you do is, uh, what is vulnerable? Um, are any of you familiar with the science fiction game Eclipse Phase? Um, it's a transhumanist science fiction horror, and the technology in there is very advanced, but they talk about basically how 10 years ago a AI woke up or was corrupted by an alien influence and wiped out 90% of humanity. Everyone else is like, Earth is now a really bad place to go to because uh, lots of hordes of killer robots are still there. But there's a virus in there that can spread not only through biological means but through digital means. Uh, there's a concept in science fiction called the basilisk, um, which is, uh, of course, named after the mythological creature, but the idea is a basilisk is an image that is so somehow dangerous to, the, to whenever you perceive it, it does something horrible to you. It kills you or corrupts you. Um, there's a story called uh, science fiction called like alt.comp.science.faq.basilisk, which is written like a frequently asked questions about like, what is a basilisk? And uh, it's a really great story. It's only like a thousand, few thousand words, so it's a real quick read. It talks about, oh yeah, well we can't show you what a basilisk actually looks like because it would kill you. Um, so uh, some scientists found one in a fractal image, in the, uh, and it killed him, and then killed a lot of the researchers, and the military came in, and we found out, oh, we can't look at fractals anymore. Um, so that would be one way of doing that, especially if they don't know that, is that if they look at a certain fractal image or uh, perceive some sort of sound, uh, that they uh, then die, then become zombies, or instead of uh, become zombies. Uh, of course, there's also redefining what a zombie is. Of course, you know the Borg in Star Trek. I mean, they're probably you, you, you zombie-ish at least. You know, um, half cyborg, ha uh, so forcibly uh, can being converted to a cyborg. Uh, of course, nanotechnology is a good vector for zombieification. Uh, one thing that really is cool in sci-fi is doing the. Uh, with networking technologies, you know, radio and all this other stuff, you could have a hive mind zombie, where if one zombie sees it, all the other zombies instantly are instantly aware of it. So, uh, and then it could be controlled by a single mind. So that's one idea if you want to do a sci-fi. Those are a couple ideas if you want to do a sci-fi thing. Um, and then, of course, one thing, a common sci-fi thing, especially if it's alien, is it's not necessarily hostile, it's just alien. It kills people, but only because it's trying to do something in a certain way or in a certain area because it's trying to do something really weird so the player becomes a mystery what does this alien actually want to do to us or do period and then once you can figure that out you can safely interact with it but till then it's you know zombie time so uh, good luck with that uh, yes um, I actually have a mechanic or a system uh, or a mechanic idea um, just running away from zombies and ducking and sneaking you can get a herd following you pretty quick yeah but you can actually herd Zombies. Yeah. If you're quick, you wreck them. Mm -hmm. I have no clue to do with that mechanic. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Uh, going back to one of the cardinal rules is that, you know, humans are jerks. Uh, <laughs> you have zombie warfare where people, runners, you know, maybe parkour experts, uh, you know, there's two strongholds of people, two, survive, two groups of strongholds, or multiple groups of strong, you know, survivors, that they don't have enough bullets to shoot each other. You know, they, they don't, and also there's a lot of zombies in the way, so they get these spry kids that, with parkour, and they give them, you know, uh, uh, bullhorns or whatever, and they try and guide as many zombies into the other strongholds as possible uh, to, you know, wage war. Uh, so using zombies as weapons uh, in that way, of course, it's extremely dangerous for the runners, and of course, the the because the survivors at the other stronghold will be have snipers on guard to try and shoot those kids or the runners. Um, but on the other hand, if you get ten thousand zombies at your enemy's doorstep, then hey, 
let's have a beer, call it a day. So, um, so yeah, so that would be one way. That's one possible way you could use it. There are, of course, uh, other ways. For example, you could uh, um, Native Americans used to hunt the buffalo, it said, uh, by uh, herding them off cliffs. And then, you know, just mm-hmm. instead of having to use all their arrows and spears in them, they just let them use use gravity as a weapon, you know, weapon specialists say weapon proficiency gravity, and uh, um, that's that that would be a good way of a, a low technology way of doing that. For example, in the fantasy game, uh, you could have elves or other fast species that don't even fight zombies; they just run and guide them to cliffs, and then climb down the cliffs, and all the zombies fall off. So, those are a few different ways of using that mechanic. That's a very good idea uh, because again, that's that's exactly the heart of what we're trying to do here is thinking of new ways of using zombies. What can they do? What can't they do? Uh, I know you were talking about, also in a fantasy game, uh, somebody here was talking about um, putting smoke bombs or uh, flashbangs, basically, in uh, zombies, and then using necromancy to control the zombie to use it as sort of a self-propelled flashbang. So, uh, uh, or a trap, you know, put an explosive rune spell on it or delayed, you know, blast fireball. Um, there are a lot of uses for zombies in that way, because... Players are very creative with these kind of things. Uh, this is, of course, the same genre of games where players are like, oh, I can buy a dozen chickens for a silver? I'll find uses for those. <laughs> <laughs> I'll feed the monsters. I'll just, here, I'll, here, have these. I'll just be on my way. So. You buy, like, 20 gold worth of chickens, then you just herd them into the tomb of dungeons yeah. ahead of you, and the dungeons, all the traps just go off for the Exactly, chickens. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's about being creative with what you have. So, uh, and one thing is one thing uh, I think that uh, World War Z really gets right is the unforeseen consequences, uh, unintended side effects, uh, consequential actions. You know, for example, they talk about um, early on in the book how the rich and the celebrities like got these massive you know armored fortresses basically to protect themselves. And one uh, one of them was dumb enough. Hey, let's do a reality TV show with all the celebrities holed up in safety. And then, guess what? Everyone in the area saw that show and be like, they have better guns and food and uh, a lot more food than we do in higher walls. Let's go take their stuff. And so they were swarmed by other people, and uh, the, the entire place was taken down. So that's the, that's the kind of thing. Um, one of the things I, I could talk about in Zombies of the World is that, you know, the survivalist syndrome won't really work. If you, you think you have get enough guns and ammo and you hole up in the woods, you'll be fine. I mean... That might work, but you're more likely to get killed by other people trying to get your stuff. Um, so again, it's more about having people you can rely on and trust on in, the, in an attack. Yeah. You know, if you actually do it in the city and there's quite a few zombies or something like that, and you have a large building, you could technically use the zombies as a barrier to protect yourself from other humans, so long as you keep a horde of them around you. Yes, that's exactly. Yeah, exactly. Zombies are, uh, especially if you're using the the common zombie, you know, the dumb zombies, then. Um, yeah, you could use them to protect yourself from others. In fact, that happens in the Walking Dead comic. Comic. Uh, I don't want to say when, but it do- I don't know if the TV show will do it. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the thing you want to do. Uh, that's exactly what. Again, using the runners to to use the zombies as a natural resource. I think a lot of the great zombie stories use them as a like almost like a natural disaster. You know. Uh, lava that eats brains, basically, you know, something like that, instead of using them as monsters, because you can't fight them. I mean, they, one thing that was emphasized <coughs> is the utility of fighting all the zombies, uh, because there's always going to be more. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the perfect kind of thing I'm talking about. Um, now, one thing I've also been talking about, you know, is talking, going back to one of the other tropes was the, the research and the other things. Now, 
we're talking about how you can use zombies to benefit uh, yourself. So those are sort of short-term kind of things. But what about the long-term kind of stuff? So um, one of the common genre tropes is, uh, if you don't think about it, is that zombies never stop. They're always there. They're slow, but they're never going to stop trying to eat your brains, uh, you know, um, or your, your kidney or whatever else. I'm, I'm not really picky. Um, but why is that? How, how can that possibly work? Because in nature, you know, the laws of physics kind of demand that if you expend energy, you need to get that energy from somewhere. And zombies in the Living Dead films, uh, the, the Romero films, they don't digest the food. It just falls out of their stomachs rotten. That's, that's canon. Um, so what does that mean? That means that zombies are getting energy from nothing. They are actually, you know, rotting, brain-eating, perpetual motion machines. So, if, logically, if this was true, scientists would be like, oh, my God, how, how does this work? How can we? And the next question is, how can we use this, you know? Um, so, what I have in Zombies of the World is, um, in the Scientific Research Center, is that the scientists are trying to figure this out. They call it this Omega Anima. Um, the animating, the, you know, the last animating force. Uh, it's kind of like it's a it's a buzzword, kind of like dark matter or something like that. It's sort of like what they what they use to define what they don't understand yet. You know, we don't get this yet. So uh, what they do though is they're experimenting with ways of using zombies as uh, energy sources. So the the in the in the book they have what I came up with is they come up with a power plant where they basically bolt zombies onto stationary bicycles and thousands of them together and put pictures of people and brains in front of them. <laughs> and then the zombies pedal forever. And so individually, a zombie doesn't generate much electricity, you know, like 200 watts or something. But if you get 25,000 of them, hey, you're talking about real energy. Um, so, and if you think... Right, <laughs> exactly. Protesting it because uh, they're exploiting the undead. The poor ha grandma would never want to do that. But um, you, uh, but it's really the first clean, really clean source of energy. It's very green, it, gangrenous green, but you know it's, it's green nonetheless. So um, that's so. Then of course, then zombies become not only something scientific; they become a natural resource. So eventually, you can have these. Again, going back to the runner idea people stealing zombies because what if they some scientist figures out a way uh, a more efficient way of harvesting zombies they just can you know pulp zombies into this goo and turn that into fuel directly um which is really gross but i mean what are fossil fuels but gooey dinosaur remains so um but wouldn't that be problematic because what if it's not something about zombie and it could be something that they think of that they could use humans if you try to humans well, there you go. See, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, uh, that, that then is, you know, the slippery slope. So if they figure out, hey, we don't even have to do this. We can skip the middleman. We can just uh, 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 let's empty the prisons out. You know, let's. Uh, uh, who, who? Well, we we can have the. You know, anyone who does make honor roll uh, should watch out. So, uh, so yeah, you can have that. You can have that slippery slope, like. Uh, of course, in the future, like in a post-apocalyptic world where there's no oil, there's no fossil fuels, like, well, is that it? Or solar, and we're not doing solar because, um, you know, it's solar. Jeez, you know. <laughs> uh, let's face it, you know. Um, so they, then that becomes a very another interesting kind of conflict. You know, what do you do with this natural resource that also wants to eat you? Um, so these are just, again, another few of the ways. Um, so... 
And of course, but now we've all we've been talking about are the unintelligent zombies, the dumb zombies, the classic zombies. I mean, I've mentioned a little about the talking zombies, the intelligent zombies, but you know, there's several types of them in the literature. You know, the revenants are intelligent zombies since they have a singular purpose, but they're not very communicative. Uh, they're not very interesting. Um, the talking zombies, um, they could be uh, very interesting characters because you could do it almost like a vampire story where there's a talking zombie with some degree of self-control who lives in the urban ghetto and eats people, but can control himself and doesn't eat everybody. And he certainly eats, when he eats somebody, he eats the entire thing, so there's no other zombies to worry about. And then he, the interesting part is that he enters in a deal with people of a tenement building. He protects them from gangs and drug dealers and whatever in exchange for picking off the gangs and the drug dealers or whatever else, and the, the people keeping their mouths about it from the cops. So then when the player characters enter, there's the prisoner's dilemma, the moral dilemma, well, we can kill the zombie because, you know, it's a zombie, but if we do that, the, all these poor people are going to be exploited and, you know, attacked and, you know, uh, hurt by the gangs that want revenge for them, uh, on them. So that's one use. And then another use is uh, uh, what about zombies that don't necessarily aren't hostile to people? Um, what about a, a zombie species that is truly a scavenger, uh, one that won't attack them? Now, one of the species I have in here is called uh, the New England ghoul, which is right here. Uh, the New England ghoul I get from Lovecraft, uh, Pickman's model, the, the, the Call of Cthulhu ghoul, because the way they're described in Call of Cthulhu is that they're scavengers that only eat dead people. Uh, and they also, if they eat somebody's brains, they learn everything that person knows, and they're immortal. So um, that would be a very interesting character, not necessarily even as an enemy to the player characters. He could be potentially an ally. So you have the classic moral dilemma where is well, this ghoul knows everything we need to know, but he's hungry, and uh, he won't kill anybody because he's civilized. I mean, that would be barbaric. Uh, <laughs> but he wants us to go procure him a body, uh, you know, some dinner, so uh, some takeout. Um, so what do you do? Do you just say, screw it, we'll, we don't need to know how to stop Azathoth as from appearing or whatever. Uh, we, uh, um, we can do just fine without him. So, uh, or then as an ally, someone who could talk about the, you know, the past, you know, like, oh, I've been alive for 300 years. Uh, in Zombies of the World, I have one ghoul who became kind of a celebrity in Victorian England, like the Elephant Man, until the, the, the British government, you know, tries to kill him. Uh, but all the poor people love him. Um, so, that's another use uh, of the, the uh, undead. Again, not even thinking of them as the enemy, but as an NPC, just another type of person out there who's just trying to make their way in the world without necessarily uh, just eating a few brains and getting, and getting along. I mean, nobody's perfect. So, uh, so does anybody else have any other, like, are any of you uh, running games or, or do any of you uh, have any uh, other genres you would like to uh, pick apart or add zombies to? Um, steampunk or anything like that? Or any other questions about zombies period? I can answer. Uh, probably. Uh, <laughs> there's so many zombie movies out there. Um, so yeah, we, we're um, talking about this. Um, we have um, one of the other species, you know, uh, again, it's also defining what a zombie is, what a zombie isn't. Um, what if you want to add radically different traits to a zombie? One of the species I have in there is a new K uh, Nuke Kubi, uh, Kubi, which is the floating head zombie. I saw them in Hellboy, uh, one of the Hellboy comics, and I liked those. Uh, because, again, relatively slow undead, wants to kill people, eat them. Um, so what do you do? And then, of course, there's the North American Cabin Lurker, which is from Evil Dead, 
uh, the deadites, uh, and they can float, they can levitate. Um, so what do you do when the zombie, uh, it, it, you can't really use the kind of strategies if the zombies can float or levitate, or what if they, uh, you know, can grow tentacles and they become sort of Lovecraftian monsters. So, um, again, it's using the other ones. Um, we are, again, um, we were talking about this. Uh, one of the things I, I really like, of course, is mashing them together using, um, anybody see the movie Daybreakers? Daybreakers, yeah. Uh, the premise of that is that vampires take over. Our, everyone is a vampire, basically, except for humans, which are stored in blood banks. Uh, and that, that's the food supply, and the food supply is running out. Um, if zombies were, if you could have a zombie species that was actually, what if you reverse the roles? The players were the zombies, and they had to manage the humans. I mean, do they actually kill themselves? Or like, oh my god, I can't believe I've become this. Or be like, well, you know, when in Rome. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a job, it's a living, you know. Um, in a society where everyone is a zombie, also it also becomes hard to kill somebody because everybody's so freaking resilient to damage. Um, you have people that are, uh, you know, only a headshot can kill them. So you have um, people can shoot each other in the chest, you know, just to express dissatisfaction. You have people, uh, extreme sports that are really extreme. Uh, yeah. I was going to mention that if you look at the infectious model Yeah. Right. And the, the zombie infection would be easily the same way. What if only women? Or right. Only men were right. zombies or only children? Right. Um, that's true. Uh, that's, yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, biology also often dictates uh, irrational behavior. There's actually a whole. Um, biologists have observed that many species of animals, uh, the mothers will actually be very violent and aggressive towards children of their species, but not of their own uh, that they did not actually give birth to or give, you know. Uh, so they'll actually, mothers will go into other birds' nests and kill the uh, offspring or, you know, primates. Uh, they'll, they'll kill other uh, baby chimps um, out of this sort of irrational hatred. So you can have the same sort of thing where you have a targeted um, attack. Um, there's also one of the Masters of Horror episodes, I believe. Yeah, uh, Screwed by Solution. Yeah, Screwed by Solution, yeah. Um, so, yeah, again, you're thinking about using them in a different way. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, Anyways, um, well, actually, we'll do the first of the three trivia challenges now. Uh, this will be for the uh, Beware of Zombies, Beware of Humans poster, a very practical piece of this. Um, all right, so to answer this question, um, the idea, uh, uh, I'll ask a question. The first person who gets it right, right will, will get it. So I don't care if you use a smartphone or not. So question is, what is the musical group that... Uh, scored the movie, the 1978 version of Dawn of the Dead. I'm sorry? No, no, it wasn't Goblin. Uh, it was, you're very close. What did he say? He said Goblins, right? Goblin? Goblin, it is Goblin. <laughs> very good. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Goblin also did uh, Suspiria, a bunch of other Italian horror films. They also did the, the Fulci film uh, Zombie, which was uh, kind of an unintended sequel to Night of the Living Dead. So there you go. Um, 
So, um, yeah, this is just a total Q and A at this point. Um, I'm kind of uh, uh, answered pretty much. Oh, one other thing is. Um, one of the other species I have in Zombies of the World, if you notice down here at the first handout, I have Manly Action Magazine. What that's in reference to, um, <laughs> you sort of read the handout, is um, I use, I, I sort of drew on all the major types of zombies, not just folklore, not just the violent ones, but also, I mean, thriller, those are pretty dominant pop culture, the thriller zombies. So I have the dancing zombie species, which has the scientific name of Choreographicus. Um, and... What I had was in the history section that the, after the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, is that a group of the, uh, uh, dancing zombies that were hula dancers, the hula ghouls, um, actually went over and helped the Americans for unknown reasons, no one knows why, uh, helped them fight the Japanese by jumping in front of the Japanese, distracting them while the Americans gained the edge on them. So uh, men's magazines after the war talked about, you know, I was, hula ghoul saved me from a samurai death squad and... Uh, among other stories, like Night of a Thousand Explosions and uh, other... If you've seen the men magazines from the 1940s, this is also the same sort of movie magazines that had, uh, you know, Weasels Rip My Flesh and stuff like that, which is an actual title of a story in one of those. So um, zombies would, again, uh, affect us in a lot of ways that we wouldn't understand, and there would be a lot of uh, discongruity. Um, so, yeah. Um, all right, so we'll do the second one. Uh, and this... Will um, be for the. Um, Zombies of the World species poster, uh, which is right here. Um, all right. Uh, all right. So, in a. Uh, what is the name of the United Kingdom's only zombie inspired uh, thrash metal band? that is named from a specific line in Return of the Living Dead. So if you can think of the type, the, the, the line, if you can guess the line, it's a very popular line from Return of the Living Dead, if you've seen that. It's a thrash metal band from the United Kingdom, and uh, they do, they did, I think they've disbanded, they've only done zombie-related thrash metal. So, uh, was it Quar? No, it was not Quar. Quar's <laughs> American, for one thing. Um, so, uh, while we're asking about this, anybody else have any questions? Or, uh, yeah. Is that what it is? What? It wasn't Clash, was it? No. This, uh, they're named after a line from uh, Return of the Living Dead. Is it said by a female punk rocker? That line? Uh, no. It is not said by a female punk rocker line. Um, yes, thrash metal, zombie inspired. Um, based uh, on uh, a line from Return of the Living Dead. They think they did two or three albums. I can't think of the names. I've listened to them. I mean, if you like thrash metal, it's a good thrash metal. I mean, I, don't, I know how popular that is. Um, but, uh, okay, why are you thinking about that? Um, I'm trying to think. Let's kind of switch my questions. Some of the other, what are some of the other, is anybody thinking of other zombie genre tropes? common conceptions of zombies that they think are just omnipresent that you see all the time. Um, you know, one that I think of, actually, is that zombies are very easy to kill. Um, even in, you know, Shaun of the Dead and Zombieland, these people who have no skill in firearms are headshotting zombies instantly. <laughs> zombies tend to die very easily in those films. So, again, the reverse thing is to make zombies very hard to kill. And, like, even one zombie is an epic-level challenge. Um, so... 
Uh, yeah, that that is uh, again another way of doing that. Um, invent zombies as allies. Zombies as uh, friends. Yes, do you? I don't have? know if it would be like if it would fall under the uh, survival bar element, but I think you might have touched on it before, where humans are actually the problem. Maybe eccentric necromancer, eccentric lich king, something like that. Sure. You know, a more perfect world requires dead scientists to research things. Humans are a problem. Sure. Something like that, you know. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the common things is the uh, zombies tropes is actually the domesticating the zombie, making the manual labors. I mean, that's the original zombie from uh, Haitian, you know, voodoo uh, uh, mythology is the idea that you can take somebody and make them a slave. You know, you can control them as the living dead. Uh, the first zombie films were about that. You know, I walked with a zombie, white zombie, um, and that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, what do you do if uh, you have these domesticated zombies and then, or these, you know, zombies that are easy to get along with, and then some human jerk comes in? Yeah. Uh, so uh, it could be a zombie rights activist who's trying to liberate all the zombies and causes them to go wild. Or uh, well, actually, one of the things I have in Zombies of the World is the history of the zombie. Is that in the early nineteenth century, early uh, late nineteenth century, you know, eighteen nineties or so, some uh, uh, can't factory owner like realized, hey, they'd make great, they could can food for us. Uh, you know, that won't have problems. Um, so they have basically the jungle, uh, but with zombies. You know, so um, that yeah. <laughs> All in the name of profit, because if you don't like that, you're you're not capitalist, and you're just a godless communist. You can't stand the, you can't have, have zombies handling your food for a few pennies less. Uh, you won't like that lead paint on it either. Jeez, you just like complaining. Um, True sounds of liberty. No. Uh, I'm sorry. Who said that? Send more paramedics. Correct. Send more paramedics. <laughs> To explain the reference of the line, uh, which is mentioned in the little manual reference, um, in Return of the Living Dead, as I said, the zombies are intelligent, and um, they are addicted to flesh. So what happens is when the zombies start rising out of the graveyard, uh, they send a couple of you know police and paramedics to, um, what you call it, uh, check things out. Zombies, of course, ambush the authorities and eat them. So they hear on the radio, the zombies hear on the radio, um, uh, you know, car, you know, car 15, where are you? What's going on? Uh, and the zombie re- grabs the radio because their intelligence says, send more paramedics. <laughs> and so they send more paramedics. <laughs> and they get eaten. <laughs> and they do it again. Um, it's a great movie, by the way. You really should see it. Uh, it was written, uh, directed by Dan O'Bannon, who wrote the original Alien. Uh, he also directed later a Lovecraftian film called The Resurrected, which is the single best Lovecraftian adaptation I've ever seen. Really? Uh, yeah, uh, Jeffrey Combs is in it. Uh, it's based on the case of Charles Dexter Ward. Uh, it's in color. I mean, I know the Silent Call of is really good, but I think the Resurrected is a little better. Okay. Um, it's an HBO original film. So, um, all right. Uh, last question, uh, which will be for the book copy of this. I can autograph it if you so choose. Um, all right. In the film, twenty eight days later, uh, at the film dramatic finale. Uh, there is a piece of music is played um, from a particular avant-garde uh, music uh, group uh, with a very uh, with a four-word name. Um, what is that name, and where did they get their name from? Uh, the uh, <laughs> two different Google searches. Yes, uh, Wikipedia is used for. Um, if you can't find, uh, it is, should be listed on there. 
Uh, so yeah, while you're looking that up, um, song? the song I did not mention is played in the finale of the film, uh, but it's by an avant-garde group um, with a four-word title, uh, four-word name. Wait, is the song four words or the group four words? Group. Silva. Oh, no, that's not what Close. So. It's performed by. Uh, the group has four words in its title. That's an avant garde. In its song? The song I did not mention, because okay. I would make it too easy. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, the song is also going to be the longest one on the 28 Days Later soundtrack, uh, I'm pretty sure, because all their songs are like, you know, really long, because they're avant garde. Uh, um, it's like they're actually really good, but it's not for everybody. Um, so, um, I was just going to ask that, uh, John, yeah. that's, uh, Is it, I was going to oh, say, uh, zombie comedy as a game. Zombie comedy as a game. Now, it depends on what you want to do. Now, I could see uh, black comedy, like if you did a fiasco play set. Uh, are, you are you familiar with fiasco? It's basically a Coen Brothers movie, The Game. Uh, I just played it for the first time this uh, Gen Con, and it was really good. Um, so you can certainly come up with a place out of a zombie apocalypse with that. Um, um, is it Godspeed? Uh, Godspeed, you... No, it's fine. <laughs> no, go on. Godspeed, you Black Emperor. All right, that's the name of the group. Okay. Where do they get their name from? From a 1976 Japanese black and white documentary. Very good, excellent. <laughs> good job. <laughs> Congratulations. I can Google fairly fast. Yes. I'd like you to sign it. Uh, I will sign it. Uh, just hang, yeah. Um, and I kind of, uh, I know we, I've only been doing this for an hour, but uh, if you guys have questions, be happy to answer them. Uh, but that's pretty much all my prepared material. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I have uh, copies of the book for sale at the Art Dream booth, and uh, it's also available on the website. So thank you very much. All right.